Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Indians 4, the Pittsburgh Pirates 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And what? Are you kidding me? The Indians have now walked off three of the last four games they've had walk-off wins, and the other game... Uh, Thursday night's game was a come-from-behind victory. So the Indians' magic is rolling at Progressive Field, and that is good news. Because of tiebreakers, they have moved into second place in the American League Central Division. They are now tied with the White Sox, one game back of the Minnesota Twins, and that means they would host a home game for the Wild Card Series. Man, they walk it off on a home run Tuesday night with a Jose Ramirez home run. They walk it off on Wednesday night with a Jordan Luplo home run. They come from behind in the seventh inning against the White Sox on Thursday night. And then the walk off last night when, I mean, the bottom of the lineup too. The bottom of the lineup did it last night. So let's get into this game. Let's see how it all went down. And uh, there were strange, strange things happening at the corner of Carnegie, Ontario last night because the Indians were actually no hit through five innings. On the mound for the Pittsburgh Pirates was Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller, in his last start against St. Louis, went six innings, no hit baseball, Walked two, struck out six, had to come out of the game after the sixth inning, and ends up taking a no decision. He comes out to last night against Cleveland, goes five innings of no-hit baseball, has to come out, has to take the no decision. That That's insane. That's insane. He's gone 11 no-hit innings and has no decisions to show for it. That's absolutely crazy. Now, what knocked him out of the game last night? Well, he walked eight Cleveland Indians last night. So, when you walk eight guys, you are throwing a lot of pitches. So, he was at 98 pitches, only 49 for strikes, and they took him out after five and turned it over to their bullpen, which looked okay until it wasn't. All right, let's get into this game. How did it all go down? Pitching for the Indians is Carlos Carrasco, and he was he pitched pretty good. He pitched pretty solid, pretty good. One bad pitch is what Carrasco has to worry about. Got two big strikeouts in the first inning. He was striking out a lot of guys. We know Carrasco. I mean, yeah, Kluber was known for his strikeouts, and Bowering was known for his strikeouts, but... Don't forget, Carrasco knows how to strike dudes out. In six innings yesterday, he struck out eight. So, he gets those in the first. All right, bottom of the first. The Indians put the first run of the game on the board. This is this is insane. This is... I don't know what the strategy was here. I don't know if... I hope Sandy LMR was mad about this stuff. I, I don't know. We'll see if this trend continues. So, Francisco Lindor walks on four pitches. Cesar Hernandez walks on uh, five pitches. Jose Ramirez does battle a little more. He works the count a little more, but he ends up walking. The Keller walks the bases loaded to start the game. 
And what does Carlos Santana do? The guy who, you know, is a league leader in walks, what does he do? He swings at the first pitch. Now, granted, it was a fastball. It was in the zone. He swings at the first pitch, grounds it to second base for a double play. Uh, Francisco Lindor is able to come in and score. It makes it one nothing Cleveland. But, Santana, you just watched this guy throw how He'd only thrown, like, three strikes up until this point in the game of it's like his first 15 pitches. What are you doing? Even in old man softball, we would tell a guy to wait till he sees a strike. You know, you gotta make a pitcher work there. He worked himself into so much trouble. You gotta make him work to get out of it. And then, Fermil Reyes swings at the first pitch. Now, at least Santana swung at a fastball that was right in the meaty part of the plate. Fermil Reyes swung at a breaking ball that was down and away. It might have been called a strike, but it was a much harder pitch to hit, and he ends up grounding out. So, I don't I don't know what the approach is. The Indians walk the bases loaded, and then on two pitches, Keller is out of the inning. So wasted opportunity there for the Indians, but they do go up one nothing. This would come up again. All right, top of the third first, though, Carlos Carrasco. Oh, yeah, he strikes out the side. Gets Jared Oliva to strike out swinging. Gets Jacob Stalling to strike out swinging. Gets Adam Frazier to strike out swinging. Carrasco was leaning on, he used all his pitches, but he was leaning on the changeup a lot yesterday. He ends up throwing 33 changeups and 33 fastballs. Now, the changeup was working for him. He got 21 swings at his changeup, nine whiffs. So a 43% swing and miss rate on the changeup right there, which is pretty good. Uh, he also got a lot of swing and miss on his slider. He threw 22 sliders, 13 were swung at, 9 were whiffed. So that's a 69% whiff rate on his sliders. So that's where overall, they swung 49 times, whiffed 20 times against Carrasco yesterday for a total of 41% whiff rate. That's pretty good. But yeah, he went through the changeup a lot, a lot of first pitch changeups. Uh, he threw 43, 10 pitches were his first pitch changeups, eight first pitch fastballs. When he would get behind in the count, he would throw, he would double down on the changeup. Uh, 58% of his 1-0 pitches, seven times he went to the changeup. So uh, when he would fall further behind in the count, he would go to fastballs to try to establish the zone, but that changeup is mixed in in every count. So Really, really relying on that changeup yesterday. And it seemed like it was working. In the top of the third, he strikes out the side. Bottom of the third, the Indians the Indians get it going again. Lindor walks to start the inning. He then steals second base. Cesar Hernandez does strike out. Jose Ramirez pops out, but then Carlos Santana walks. Carlos Santana apparently learned his lesson. Fermil Reyes then walks. Fermil Reyes learned his lesson from the first inning. They've got the bases loaded again. And what does Tyler Naquin do? He swings at the first pitch. Now, granted, he hit the ball very hard. Um, Let's take a look at the exit velocity here and see how hard he hit this one. Exit velocity was 100.9 miles per hour. So he hit it hard. The only problem is he hit it right at Colin Moran at first base. And bases loaded. Keller gets out of it again. Are you kidding me? He walks the bases loaded twice in this game and only has one run to show for it on his stat line. 
That's insane. All right. The Pirates would do their damage in the top of the fourth here. After getting the first two outs, he gives up a single to Josh Bell. And then Gregory Polanco, who I guess had a long fly his first time up, he flew out. His exit velocity was 102.5 miles per hour on his fly out in the second inning. Um, it, it only had an expecting batted average of zero, uh, .040. So he must have hit it right at somebody. But he comes up again in the fourth inning. This time, the exit velocity is 113 miles per hour. It was a pitch that was down in the zone, and he cranked it. Hit it 388 feet. It was a line drive down the right field line that clears the wall and into the seats. And then suddenly, it is to 2-1 Pittsburgh. The Indians haven't gotten a hit, but they've walked how many times now in this game? And it's 2-1 to one Pittsburgh. I, it's a great swing by Polanco. Give credit where credit is due. Uh, that, would, that would be the only runs Carrasco would give up. In the uh, bottom of the fifth, he would walk Lindor, his final, Keller's final walk. Lindor would walk three times against Keller. All to lead off innings. And they couldn't do anything with it. Hernandez would ground into a double play. And then Jose Ramirez would ground out to Colin Moran. Another hard hit ball to Colin Moran, who would scoop it up and flip it to Keller for the out. So that's it. That's Keller's five innings. I mean, can you say a guy is locked in if he's walked eight guys? If he's getting out of it, I guess you can. Uh, So Keller, if we look at his batted ball numbers from fan graphs here he got a lot of ground balls 60 percent ground balls they were pulling the ball 60 percent were pulls 20 percent to center 20 percent opposite field here we go soft contact medium contact and hard contact soft contact 50 percent of the time was soft contact only 30 percent medium contact only 20 percent hard contact so there you go i mean yeah, uh, yeah, he was walking a lot of guys, but when the Indians would attempt to swing, it was soft contact. It was weak contact. The plate discipline numbers for Keller, these are these are pretty crazy. Outside the O swing percentage, percentage of pitches a batter swings at outside the strike zone, only 19% for the Indians. Um, their swing percentage, the total percentage of pitches they swing at was only 38.8%. When they did go outside the zone, they were making contact 66.7% of the time. That's that weak contact. That's that soft contact there. When they finally went and chased something, they were beating it into the ground. Uh, his, he was only in the zone 35.7% of the time. His first pitch strikes were only 42%. His swinging strike percentage, the times that we swung and missed, was only 7.1%. Now compare that to Carrasco. Carrasco who went uh, six innings. Let's see what he did in the sixth inning here. Gets into a little bit of trouble, actually. Got into trouble in the sixth inning. He gets gives up a single to Adam Frazier to start the inning. He then walks Cabrian Hayes. Um, we'll have to learn about Hayes. They were talking a lot about him on the broadcast yesterday. I think he's a player that the Pirates have a lot of high hopes for. Colin Moran would then walk. So uh, Carrasco was really getting into trouble here. Does Sandy Elamar take him out? He ends up throwing how many pitches on the day? 
94 pitches on the day, 58 for strikes. Does Sandy Alomar go with the bases loaded and get his guy out of there? Nope. Sandy Alomar makes you finish an inning. He's like a, like a mean teacher that just makes you you have to finish the homework. You're, there's no way you're getting out of this assignment. You're going to sit in detention and finish that homework. Well, he makes pitchers finish innings here, and uh, it pays off. Somehow, it, Carrasco gets out of it. He strikes out Josh Bell. He was really working Josh Bell. It was change up, change up, change up. And then he hits him with a high fastball, and Bell can't hold back. He was pissed at himself. It was a fastball up and away, and he could not hold back. And then he gets Gregory Polanco, the same Gregory Polanco that hit that home run off him, to ground into a double play. It was another hard hit ball. Let's see what the exit velocity was on this one. This one was 94.7. Gregory Polanco hits the ball hard. Uh, Actually, the expected batting average on this was actually 520. But he hits it right at Cesar Hernandez, and it's a ground, it's a double play kind of ball. He flips it to Lindor, back to Santana, and Carrasco gets out of the inning. So what were Carrasco's final numbers? Well, his batted ball, he was also getting a lot of ground balls, 50% ground balls. Uh, they were using the center of the field more, 41.7% up the middle, 41.7% pull. He was getting more medium contact, 50% medium contact, only 25% soft, 25% hard contact. All right, what about those plate discipline numbers? Well, he was getting outside the zone swinging 35.5% of the time, so much more chasing there. And the outside the zone contact was only 31.8% of the time, and I'm telling you, a lot of those were the changeup. He was only in the zone 34% of the time. His first pitch strikes were 478 which is down for him. That's pretty low for him. But his swinging strike percentage was way up, 21.3%. His last two outings, the swinging strike percentage, percentage of strikes that were swung at and missed, 22% last time against Detroit, 21% last night against Pittsburgh. So pretty good from Carrasco leading himself into the playoffs. All right, this game would continue. It's 2-1. to one. Phil Maiden would come in for the Indians. He would pitch really well. We got the good Phil Maiden last night. Phil Maiden actually would end up going one in a third inning. He would start the eighth inning before turning the ball over to Oliver Perez. So uh, in that time, no hits, no earned runs, no walks, three strikeouts. So definitely the good Phil Phil Maiden yesterday. And uh, how did Maiden do it? Well... Looking at the count breakdown, he didn't fall behind. He worked ahead on everybody. He did not have any 1-0 counts, no 2-0 counts, no 3-0 counts. He never got behind. The furthest he got behind was 1-1 count. Uh, He was working his cutter and his four-seamer. He threw the curveball only when he got ahead. Only on 0-2 counts did he throw the curveball. Everything else was hard. It was cutters and four-seamers. So that's good film made in right there. If you want to see what a great bullpen pitching performance looks like, he is ahead in the count against everybody. Never even worked a full count in his one and one third. All right. The uh, the Pirates would score again, though. They would this time get to Oliver Perez, unfortunately. So before we get there, though, The Indians finally get their first hit. It took until the bottom of the seventh inning for the Indians to get their first hit. 
Luplo would strike out swinging. He would pinch hit for Naylor because they brought a lefty Sam Howard out of the bullpen. Sandy Leone would walk. And then Delino to Shields would drop a bunt down between first base and the pitcher. And it's a situation where a lot of, I feel like a lot of bunts go towards the third base side and pitchers know they've got to field that ball. On the first base side, it changes things because the first baseman and the pitcher both go to field the ball, which leaves nobody covering first base. And Delino to Shields got himself a bunt single to break up the team no-hitter, right? They had a team no-hitter going through the seventh. He breaks it up. But it would all go for not because Francisco Lindor would fly out to right and Cesar Hernandez would strike out on a foul tip. So another little rally goes by the wayside. It's still 2-1 to one Pirates in the eighth inning. After getting a strikeout against Jacob Stalling, they bring in Oliver Perez, who gives up a double to Adam Frazier, the first batter he faced. It was a more a situation of the outfield shift than it was anything else because Frazier just pushes it through the right side, shoots it between first and second. And Naquin must have been shifted way over into right center because by the time he gets over to get this ball, Frazier hustles into second for a double. And then Cabrian Hayes would then follow that up with a single through the right side as well. And Frazier would come around to score 3-1 to Pittsburgh. Does he take Oliver Perez out of the game? Well, he had to face one more batter. Nope, he gets Colin Moran to ground out. He gets Oliver Perez. He intentionally walks uh, Josh Bell. And then he gets Gregory Polanco to fly out to center to the line of the Shields to get out of it. So now it's 3-1 Pittsburgh. It's the eighth inning. You're, you're not feeling great here. Jose Ramirez strikes out swinging to start the inning. Santana grounds out. Fermil Reyes grounds out. Nice pitching performance from Chris Stratton for the Pirates. The Indians can't do anything against him. Plucko comes in in the ninth. He gets a relatively clean ninth inning, gets out of it, lets up one base runner. And then the bottom of the ninth. Chris Stratton stays in for the Pirates to pitch the bottom of the ninth inning. He was trying to go two innings for the save, the old two-inning save, and it doesn't start well for him. You want to talk about leaving a pitcher in there. So he walks Tyler Naquin to start the inning. Now, Up until this point in the game, I am fuming because nine guys have walked for the Indians and only one has come in to score. I am searching and searching the internet to find some kind of stat, some kind of metric that explains the probability of when a guy walks, how often does he come in to score. I'm reading through everything I can about runs created. I'm I'm trying everything I can to figure out how to do this math in my head. I, I can't find it. So I found an old article from Bill James about a leadoff walk, how often that comes in to score, but I can't find it. So if any of you out there, honest to God, if anybody out there knows a way of figuring out the probability of a walked batter coming in to score, I would love to know, especially after last night, especially after they walked 10 times. Nine, the first nine guys that walk, only one came in to score which seems astronomically low to me. The probability has to be higher than that. Well, the probability paid off in the ninth inning because Tyler Naquin would walk to start the inning. And then Jordan Luplo, who pinch hit against a lefty earlier, has to stay in against a righty, and he doubles off the wall. He gets a hanging breaking ball and doubles off the wall on the left. Tyler Naquin comes all the way around to score, 
and the Indians suddenly have life. It is three to two Pittsburgh. Mike Freeman then comes in to replace Sandy Leone, and I believe Mike Freeman a few weeks ago pinch hit went for the pinch hit sack bunt and ended up screwing it up. Ended up bunting it right back to the pitcher, and the runner got thrown out going to third. Well, this time he's swinging away. He flies out to center, but that brings up Delano to Shields. I was surprised. I was surprised Freeman didn't lay down a bunt there and try to move Luplo up the third because there were no outs in the inning. Instead, he swings away. It brings Delino to Shields up, and Delino to Shields even said in the postgame interview that the first pitch, yeah, he was swinging for the fences. And then he caught himself, said to himself, literally said to himself, that's not who you are. Just make hard contact. And that's exactly what he does. He lines it back up the middle for a single. How hard was that contact? Let's take a look. 93.4 mile per hour exit velocity for a single. That's that's pretty good swing on it. And he hits it right back up the middle. And Jordan Luplo comes flying around third. And he scores. I mean, Luplo is definitely not known as a base dealer or anything like that. But he's an outfielder. He can run. He's athletic. And he hustles home. He scores the game-tying run. Delino DeShields delivers. Delino DeShields actually had some hard-hit balls yesterday. I got to give him credit. He had a decent offensive day. Gregory Polanco absolutely robbed him of a double down the right field line early in the game. Uh he even Delano to Shields pointed out to him and gave him credit for that catch. It was one of those catches where I told you outfielders know. They know. They track those balls. They know when it's a ball they can get to. So it was a situation where everybody else on the field was like, whoa, how did Polanco get to that? And I'm sure Polanco, for the last 10 steps while he was tracking that ball down, said, I got this. I'm, I am going to catch up to this ball. I see it. I got it. I can get it. And he did. And he got Delano to Shields there, but Delano to Shields gets him in the ninth inning. So the bunt single, two hits on the day for Delano to Shields, and that one was a big one. It ties the game. Lindor would fly out to right on a wild pitch. Uh, Delano to Shields would actually steal second. Did they give him credit for a steal? No, they don't give him credit for a steal on that. That's insane. So, I mean, a wild pitch, it literally bounced. The catcher trapped it right in front of him. He had it. And the, ball, and the ball did not even get away. He didn't have to leave. It's not like he had to go even into the, le- the right-handed batter's box to go chase this ball down. It was literally right in front of him. He picks it up. But Delino de Shields was, you know, they say a guy moves on, you know, or goes on first movement. This was, Delino de Shields went on the, the second the ball hit the dirt. He was off. And he that way he had that mindset. He if they he threw a bad pitch, I was going to take second base. And he's in there safely. It was close, but he's in there safely. And then Cesar Hernandez would come up. It actually wouldn't matter because Cesar Hernandez would lace one down the right field line. No, they credited it as a. Du- I don't even think he made it to second base. How could they credit this one as a double? They gave him a double. I'm not sure he touched second base. I, he was rounding towards second. It definitely would have been a double. Somehow they scored it a double. Um, but it's a walk-off hit. It's a walk-off hit. Delino to Shields comes in to score, and the Indians are celebrating again at Progressive Field. The final four to three. All right, your box score for the Indians. Lindor on base three times, those three walks. He did come in and score that first run. Cesar Hernandez on base twice. He had a walk and a hit. A lot of zeros then. A lot of walks, but a lot of zeros in the hit column. 
until he gets a loop low and Delino to Shields at the bottom of the lineup with his two big hits. Oh, man. Uh, pitching for the Indians, Carrasco goes six innings, three hits, two earned runs, three walks, eight strikeouts, and that homer allowed. Maiden goes one and a third, three strikeouts clean. Oliver Perez does give up two hits. Oliver Perez, that was, I mean, I, honestly, Oliver Perez has been pitching, he's been pitching so well this season that he gives up the run there in this shortened season. His ERA is only at 2.08. So that's how good Oliver Perez has been pitching this season. Unfortunately, they got two singles through the right side on him. And then Plucko actually comes in and pitches the ninth, and he gives up one hit and gets one strikeout. So MVP for a day, I can't can't give it to one guy because the whole bottom of the lineup and then turning it over to the top of the lineup delivered. So MVP for a day, it's going to have to be shared today between Luplo, Delino to Shields, and Cesar Hernandez. They all deliver RBI hits in the ninth inning to come back and score three runs in the ninth and win this game. When the team performs like that, when the whole lineup pitches in, Luplo's a pinch hitter facing a righty who he should never be facing. He gets a hit. Delino to Shields delivers up in the middle. And then Cesar Hernandez with a big double down the line to win it. They're all sharing MVP for a day today. I, it's my show. It's my rules. That's what I'm going with. All right. Like I said, the standings in the American League Central are even crazier now. The uh, White Sox have lost six in a row. They got beat up on by the... By the uh, Cubs yesterday, the Minnesota Twins got beat up by the Reds yesterday. The Reds who clinched a postseason spot. The standings on MLB's website make no sense because for some reason they have a Y next to the Minnesota Twins, which means they clinched the division, which they absolutely did not clinch the division. There is a perfectly good chance that the Twins lose the next two games against the Reds and the Indians win the next two games against the Pirates, which would give the Indians the division. So I don't know why they have that Y next to the the Minnesota Twins name. It's not like that in the postseason seating. They... uh, the Indians move up in a fourth. Right now, the Indians, if everything stays the same, would host the Yankees in the first round. And Tampa Bay has already clinched the East. The Yankees aren't going anywhere. The Yankees will be the fifth seed no matter what. And right now, I guess technically they could tie the Indians if everybody if they lose. They're two games behind the Indians for the fourth seed. So technically, maybe that would flip. But right now, the Indians are hosting in the four seed. They would host a wild card game against the Yankees. Uh, The Twins would face Houston. Oakland would host the White Sox. And Tampa Bay would host Toronto. So everything I just said could change. Absolutely everything could change there. In the NL, there's still teams that haven't been eliminated. The Phillies, Milwaukee Brewers, and somehow the New York Mets are still alive. I guess the Mets, even though Miami clinched, I don't understand how. I guess the Mets must play a couple doubleheaders or something like that. Uh, They're two and a half games back from San Francisco for the eighth spot. The Phillies are also uh, a game and a half behind San Francisco for the eighth spot. Milwaukee is technically still alive. St. Louis is the five seed, but they haven't clinched yet. 
it is bizarre. It is this this eight teams, this sixty game season. We knew it was going to be bizarre, be bizarre coming down to the last weekend, and it is. So we'll see if any of this playoff seeding shakes itself out after today. I guarantee you that the Reds are not going to let up. They are going to continue to see if they can move up and take over that fifth seed, take over that second place spot from St. Louis. So they they are not giving up at all. And the Cubs technically have not clinched the division yet, even though it seems like they're way up. They're three games up, but they're still doubleheaders to play, I guess. So... Yeah, uh, the Cubs have not clinched the division either. So they have something to play for still tonight. So will the NL Central help out the Indians? Can the Indians climb and on these last two games and pass Minnesota for the division? I'm guessing Minnesota owns the tiebreaker against the Indians. They definitely own the head-to-head versus the Indians. So we're going to have to pass them. They're going to have to lose two, and we're going to have to win two to try to take the division title. So... That's all my thoughts. That's what everything that went down yesterday. Thanks for joining me for this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Indians 4, the Pirates 3. Coming up tomorrow, coming up today, sorry about that, Musgrove is going for the Pirates. He's 0-5 with a 4-6-8 ERA against Savali. Savali's final start of the season for the Indians who are trying to win this division. And make no doubt about it, Delano DeShield said it in his postgame interview. They are trying to win the division. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.